Today's episode of Tales of the Voidfarer is presented in part by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast. Providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you're going to get when you include an ad from Podgo. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co at podgo.co. And be sure to tell them Tales of the Voidfarer sent you. Previously on Tales of the Voidfarer, the archaeological dig site is in complete ruin. We're going to get those cores swapped out. It's still going to take us probably an hour. If we rush, oh. you see Ezerath. Listen, you have to follow me now. Why? Do you know what a Neothalid is? Oh, fuck me. When the seal was broken, not one, but five Neothalids escaped. Ravnus, your sword is glowing. I think we have company. Bursting over the top of the rubble of a nearby structure, the serpentine body lifting its head 30 feet into the air. Its mouth bursts open four ways, revealing a lamprey-like mouth in its center and tentacles come shooting out. have anything else to talk about <laughs> do we oh, want to just this, jump in this is actually oh, is, is this the beginning this is the pre-roll <laughs> yeah oh. oh the pre-roll no we we, we gotta fill like <laughs> 10 minutes of pre-roll <laughs> it just gets longer and longer every episode right yeah <laughs> let's take tom off of mute again and have him tell us about that book he read again <laughs> <laughs> all right uh let's just hop right back into things Woo-hoo. all right so you guys had just basically booked it back to the storm rig after running into Ezerath and the Seekers holed up in a abandoned ancient mind flare colony where they found refuge in the chamber of a decaying, dying elder brain. As Ezerath said, uh, the psionic energy that the decaying brain emanated shielded everybody there from a very present and dangerous threat. Not one, but five Neothalids, giant mutated worms that grew from once mind flare brain tadpoles. Once learning of the risk, the three of you, Ezerath, Diego Vasco, and Locke, all rushed back to the storm rig, getting there just in time for one of the aforementioned Neothalids to emerge. The dwarves 
Gadman Steelcrag and his seven dwarven companions, before the worm showed up, were just chilling around the storm rig, stretching their legs, getting ready for the last leg of the journey. The gnomes are hard at work swapping the six gold cores that get transmuted into lead to power the storm rig, um, which is needed to get through the last leg of the storm. And Brawla and Brohane are just hanging out there as well. And you guys show up, and so does one of these worms. Lifting its head over a nearby ruined building, its four-way parted mouth sprawling open, and long tentacles come out of its lamprey-like mouth, and it screeches at you all. I need you all to roll initiative. Eh, I figured as much. <laughs> and I need to roll initiative for a lot of people. Okay, did anybody get higher than a 20? Nope. nope. Okay. 15 to 20? Nope. Oh, no. <laughs> 10 to 15? 10. Yeah, 14. Marco, what'd you get? Five. Oh, no. Marco's slow. What can I say? Best time to get a <laughs> shitty roll. I always uh -huh. say it. Gotta work on them reflexes. <laughs> so everybody else goes before the Neothalid. <laughs> and even Luckbeak beat it by one. <laughs> well, that Ravnison. makes sense. They like knew about it. They, well, they, the, they've been in on it longer. <laughs> the Stormrig group didn't know about it. <laughs> oh, well, they're just better than us. They were drinking martinis on the fucking deck. I yeah. know. <laughs> this show should be about them instead. <laughs> Gadman and the seven dwarves. Gadman and the seven other dwarves. I because Gadman Brala. himself is a dwarf. <laughs> and also, Brohane and Brala are dwarves. There are ten dwarves and three gnomes. <laughs> Everyone is a dwarf. <laughs> We're not careful. Careful, it's going to be like the Hobbit. <laughs> All right. So... Um, okay, so as you guys run up, Marco, since you know what Neothalids are, mm -hmm. you kind of like size up the situation almost instinctively, and you're fairly certain a group this size could take this thing. However, there would absolutely be heavy losses. Yeah. This thing has, you know, acid breath that would easily one-shot most of the people here. Maybe not you guys and the people on your side of things, but definitely over on the storm rig. So the other thing is uh, the Neothalid seems to be effectively blind, but you know it is attracted to minds. It can sense thinking beings. Is the Neothalid attracted to, like, is it just intelligence in general, or does high intelligence and low intelligence in a n numerical sense count for something? Will it yeah. go after smarter uh, people? Yeah, make an arcana check. Okay. All right, so that is a 16. Yeah. You're not entirely sure, but if you had to guess, you would guess that the level of intelligence probably does make a difference, but it may end up going to, like, concentrations of intelligence. So... Mm. A group of low intelligent beings close together may draw it over one really smart person. So it's going to be like the overall collective intelligence of like clustered groups. Okay. Yeah. So fun times. I got a plan. Cool. Unfortunately, I'm like last. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Yeah. So as you guys run up on this thing, that's when the Neothalid shows up. Lugnut kind of sees it and he just goes white and he shouts, Ah, well, I got half the cores. We could go now, uh, but we'll have to stop in the storm. And he's like looking to you guys uh, to see what you guys do. So first up, as we actually get into initiative, Locke, Azareth, and Diego are technically first. But uh, Locke is going to stand there and say, what's the plan? It's attracted to intelligence and also large groups. So try to have everybody spread out. And I'm going to try to conjure some elementals to give it something to chase. Ooh. New spell. <laughs> Fancy. Gotta socially cool. distance. <laughs> Six feet apart. Would also just quickly say to Lugnut, keep trying to install those and we'll try to keep it off your back. Roger that. Locke will nod and he will jog off 30 feet away and take cover behind uh, some rubble pulling out his rifle and he will take a shot at it. Okay, that hits deals 18 damage and he takes another shot and hits again for another 18 damage man i'm glad we got the gun guy the gun guy yeah i'm here <laughs> <laughs> and the penguin mm. <laughs> not cool okay so Ezerath is going to dart the opposite direction from Locke, her full movement, and she's going to use her action to dash just to get as much distance as possible and kind of like stare this thing down a little bit just to kind of like keep its attention split as much as it can. Diego is sitting there with all of you guys in his wheelchair. He's going to reach out and touch Ravnus and cast Stone Skin. Nice. What does that do? I'm Googling it now. <laughs> you can no longer move and you are prey for... Oh, shit. <laughs> Your skin immediately gets like hard as stone and uh, it almost gets the impression of, of like uh, like hardened desert uh, kind of terrain and kind of cracks uh, up, up the side a little bit, but leaves your skin rocky and hard. And you now have resistance to non-magical bludgeoning, piercing, and slashing damage Ooh. for up to an hour. Can you please, please say it's clobbering time just once? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's for uh, scientific purposes. Yeah, it looks like he just gave her a skin condition. <laughs> Marco, get out the aloe. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. sorry. Squirt, squirt, squirt. Yeah, Man, that's okay, Ravnus. I also have psoriasis, so I get it. <laughs> Just dump the goo all over her. Oh, come yeah. on. <laughs> um, and then uh, he is going to use his wheelchair to head in the direction that Locke went, but also back a little bit. Just, again, putting distance between everybody at Marco's suggestion. Brohane's going to hop onto Ira and kind of skitter uh, to your guys' right, kind of out into the middle of the road a little bit, but farther away from the thing. Again, just like spreading out. And Brawla goes like behind the storm rig and you don't see her anymore. Uh, <laughs> Brawla. <laughs> well, I'm useless here. I'm just going to get out of the way. <laughs> Brawla, you can get right next to it. It only senses smart people. <laughs> Oh. Luckbeak. 
Hey, with these looks, you don't need brains. <laughs> at least arm the harpoon. Uh, Brawl is already hiding, but at the suggestion of the harpoon, you see Gadmund and two of his dwarf companions do, in fact, get on the, the harpoon. And the other five of them let out a surprisingly enthusiastic battle cry, and they like hop down from the storm rig and pull out hand axes. And kind of like scatter out just a little bit, kind of between the storm rig and it. Okay, I was I was a little scared that you just said they're just going to start charging forward. I was like, am I going to have to tackle dwarves as my first action? <laughs> we'll see what happens. <laughs> just see them all run forward, just the acid just sprays them all. Gadman will actually shout, All right, men, if we're going to die here today, we're at least going to do it as three dwarves. And uh, that brings it to Luckbeak's turn. I mean, I have nothing... What, they literally told me the best plan is to run away and hide, which I am so down with. So <laughs> um, don't have to tell me twice. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so I'm going to go in a direction that nobody is right now. That is also away from uh, the worm. So I don't know where that takes me, Nick, but I am panic running. So I also don't know in <laughs> character where I'm going. I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably like back the direction you came a little bit, put a little bit more distance between this thing and you. Mm-hmm. So you could like use your movement and then dash and even dash again if you really want to get the fuck out of dodge. But as you're running backwards a little bit, you do see the ruins of the- Oh uh, no, the artifact tent? Yeah, you see the ruins of the artifact tent. <laughs> <laughs> you see things to steal. Oh, <laughs> does that even cross his- It was also one of the largest structures in the main thoroughfare and there's a bunch of rubble that is good for cover there sure but i I mean truly in a more poetic sense i I think that when luckby comes to from his panic run he's like ducked down and his hands are already digging through like that's like his unconscious place to go is like digging through the sand oh a coin purse where did this come from (laughs) exactly like he goes back to what he he is most comforting to him which is stealing shit from people who don't deserve it sure (laughs) he just reverts back to his base instincts exactly (laughs) (laughs) Okay, yeah, you do that. You dash, and then the most convenient place to duck and hide happens to be the artifact's tent. Perfect. It is the Neothalid's turn. Um, It is going to let out that screech. And its writhing (laughs) tentacles are going to grab one of the dwarves. Oh, no. A natural 20. No. (laughs) Fuck. Well, um... So grabs one of these dwarves, which just immediately kind of like grabs it and rips it in half. Oh. It's dead, so it doesn't take the additional psychic damage, but both halves (laughs) of its body just get into its lamprey-like mouth. Uh. And then the tentacles writhe back out again, bloody but empty. No thanks. (laughs) (laughs) Um, People are starting to spread out a little bit. It is going to... What's Marco's intelligence score? Um, probably the highest. We're close to it, 18. Yeah, that is in fact the highest. It is going to then like kind of slither its way 30 feet closer to Marco. Now that everything, uh, people are starting to spread out, there's not like a little concentration of people anywhere. So the highest individual intelligence score is what's drawing its attention. Okay. So after it's done moving, it's still like probably 30, 40 feet in front of you. Okay. And that's its turn. Ravnus, your sword is glowing that purple glow. All right. I think I know where it is. Um, (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, so she's sort of like between it and the storm rig? No. Okay. So it's like you guys came into like the square that the storm rig was kind of sitting on, but the storm rig is Uh closer to the other side. So you had just come out of like the line of like rubble buildings and tattered tents and stuff. And the storm rig is across from you, probably about 40, 50 feet away. And this thing has emerged like 50, 60 feet off to your left, kind of in the middle distance. And people are starting to scatter, spread out in that open space between you and the rig. But the Neothalia it is encroaching on that space from the side okay makes sense yeah um so her priorities sort of right now are protect the storm rig protect marco slash Luckbeak. so she is right now also going to scatter um but can she like hold her action yeah you can use your movement and then uh yeah hold your action but you have to define like what you're holding yeah Yeah, she is she is going to uh, like spread out, but hold her action to if it gets in range and tries to grab someone, she's going to try to attack it. Okay. Um, so the thing is, is that you're not going to be able to move. So it has to be like if it's already in your range, you can attack it. Okay. So you can't like move and hit it if right. you if, on okay. like a held action. So, so okay. Yeah. How, how big is this thing? Because that's sort of what it I'm- is. It is gargantuan sized, so it is uh, like its entire mass is fitting within a uh, a twenty feet by twenty foot square. Right? Are we getting more than like twenty feet apart? Like we're getting like the full like thirty feet apart? Some of you are. The dwarves are still a little bit closer together than that. Okay. But your side, Ezerath and Luckbeak and Locke and Marco, came in and spread out that far easily okay then i then i think that if it gets hmm because i don't want to attract it to marco by moving closer to him um but like would she also know that it's like attracted to intelligence yeah i think marco conveyed that at the beginning oh okay yeah i screamed that I just just yelled it. Uh, she's <laughs> going to try to then when she spreads out, not like it like right up on Marco, but kind of thinking it might go for Marco um, or Diego try to like maybe even get in between them if she can and then do the held action that I talked about where if, where if it goes to either of them like and is also in her range um, to hit it. Okay. So you kind of want to like split the difference between the two? Yeah. Okay. Now, you also know this is another little wrinkle to the situation. You also saw when it attacked the dwarf, um, its tentacle has like 15 foot range. Okay. So it doesn't need to be adjacent to right. the thing it attacks to okay. grab it. Uh, we're, we're still going to do that because, I, I mean, I don't know what else she can really do at this point. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right, so yeah, you you run up and you kind of post up, uh, kind of splitting the difference between Marco and Diego. Yeah, because that way she's at least even like closer. Even if she can't take her attack, then she's sure. like at least like closer to try to deal with it. Right, right. Okay, yeah, cool. All right, then it is Marco's turn. All right, Um. so what I'd first like to do is, move, is take my 30 feet, and I'd like to try to position myself moving away from others, but also keeping 60 feet between me and the worm. Does that make sense? Yeah. So since the worm, like, moved towards you, you're already closer than 60 feet to, to it. Okay. So you would have to, like, back up 
but at that point it's you're backing up like towards like Luckbeak and Locke and, and them. Um, your best bet's probably going to the left, uh, which is towards Ezerath, but there's enough space over there you can keep your distance. Okay. Um, yeah, I want. I'm trying to like pull it away from everybody else. I'm trying. I'm trying to be bait. Um, right. Well, also so bait. this thing came from the left, so you're almost trying to like turn it back in the direction it kind of came a little bit, kind of draw it back that way. Yeah, and uh, I think Ezerath can take care of herself, so I'm going to head that way. Afterwards, uh, within, like, right next to the worm, after I make my movement, I'm going to cast Conjure Minor Elemental, and okay. I'm going to summon um, four magmen directly, like, right next to this thing. <laughs> All right. Yeah, you, you cast in, like, four small little fireballs erupt around its base, and you see these tiny little magma goblins, basically, kind of, like, explode out. Like, there's a fireball, and then it's, like, a hovering, like, undulating ball of magma, and it kind of, like, arms and legs spurt out of it until it turns into these, like, tiny little gremlin-like humanoid forms made out of lava. Okay, um... Once they pop out, um, first off, I'll roll initiative for them, and then I think you control them after that. But they obey any and all verbal commands, and they're friendly to my compatriots. Okay. Um, since I have a million step blocks in front of me, you can roll initiative for them, and I will let you control them, because Marco's just giving them commands anyway. So that's just one less thing I need to, need to do. All right. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah, I'll defer that control back to you. <laughs> all right, cool. All right, so we've got four magmen. Their um, initiative is... Uh, 13. Okay. All right. Megman. Uh, so then they don't get to act until their turn. Correct. Um, I will give them the command immediately though, after the, as I get to the end of my turn and just say, cause hell Magman, tear the Neolithid apart. Okay. I basically made four kamikazes. Yeah. Uh, all right. Locke is going to take another shot. That will hit. And then... That will miss. Okay. Ezerath is going to continue the way she's going and kind of like flank around its backside, trying to like maybe split its attention even further. That's also the way you're going, Marco. So that may aid you if that's your ultimate goal. Let's see. Is Diego going to do anything fun? Um, I'll shoot a ray of frost at it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> he does two damage to it. Gadmund and his dwarven companions are going to unleash a ballista bolt and hit and deal 21 damage. Uh, so, yeah, this thing's already starting to get peppered between Locke's bullets and this ballista bolt and then a single solitary ray fast. It doesn't look like it's reacting that much, even when uh, one of the ballista bolts kind of like pierces one of its like quadruple jaw mouths and the, the giant ballista bolt just kind of sticks there like a toothpick it doesn't even like recoil or react <laughs> so it's a tough boy yeah that's fun uh-huh so then it is Luckbeak's turn <laughs> so i kind of see that everybody is is starting to pepper it with things um I understand. Do I understand that it's going towards the highest intelligence, or is that something that just Marco um, knows? Um, I, I believe Marco did share that oh, information. Okay, at, yeah. At the beginning. So I shattered it out. Uh, it's a good thing you got really far away. Like, yeah, like. right. Um, <laughs> how far away am I in feet? Uh, so you would have moved. Uh, we'll say fifty feet. You ran and dashed. 
So think... f- from the thing or from where you started? From the thing right now. Probably like 100 feet. Because oh, it was like 50 far. feet away, and then you yeah. booked it like 50 feet straight back. <laughs> All right, so so here's what I'm going to do. He's going to yell, it just looks looks hungry. It's a little kid. And he's going to take out one of the two rations that he has left from uh, season one, episode one of <laughs> Tales of the Void Fair. <laughs> uh, and he's going to ball up that ration and throw it as hard as he can at the uh, at at the at the creature uh, from a hundred feet away. <laughs> yes, this serves two purposes. Number one is to maybe uh, make it think that I'm its friend, uh, but number two is to make me look as stupid as possible because there's no way this is going to fucking work. Uh, and the stupider I appear, the less likely he is to eat me. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that's the only way it can gauge intelligence. Sure. <laughs> oh, I want nothing to do with that. It's not a weird psionic sense or anything. It's just we are judged yeah. based on our actions in life, Nicholas. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that number just ticking down. <laughs> uh, Luckbeak, uh, for shits and giggles, go ahead and make oh. an athletics check Okey for dokey. me. Okie dokie. Hang on. We get a natch 20 and just fucking nail this thing in the I face. Know. <laughs> Ugh, couldn't be possibly worse. Uh, athletics, that's a 12. A 12? Yeah. Yeah. It, it lands like 20 feet. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Perfect. I'm kind of imagining a sandwich that as he throws it just like completely comes apart. Sure. Yeah. The no, the uh both pieces of bread land five feet away, but the piece of bologna and cheese just smack against a piece of rubble twenty feet away and slowly start sliding down. Perfect. <laughs> Leaving a smear of mustard. Uh, just to make myself appear stupider. <laughs> Oh, that's All not right. right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I love it. <laughs> All right. It is the uh, Neo Thalid's turn. So, let's see. These things haven't attacked it yet. What's the intelligence of the Magman? Uh, the intelligence of the Magman is eight. Okay. Yeah, it's kind of going to ignore those guys. And it's going to like kind of slither past them. Um, they can all take attacks of opportunity. All right. And they're all just going to touch him. So... Uh, the first one is a 19. That hits. All right. So I have to ask, is is the Neolithid uh, flammable? Uh, no. Not <laughs> didn't think so. It's not, not flammable, but it's not flammable. <laughs> so that is seven fire damage. Okay. Uh, the second one rolled a hot and spicy six. Uh, negative, sir. All right, next one. Hot and spicy eight. Also negative. <laughs> and... Uh, that one's going to be a 16. That does hit. That is an additional five fire damage. Okay. Good to know. And it's still going towards Marco. So it kind of veers a little bit to its right. Ravenous, your left. And moves another 30 feet. But it can't quite reach you. Uh, since it can't quite get you, it will just kind of whack one of its tentacles at one of the magmen. And that's going to be a 23 to hit. That hits. Uh, 21 bludgeoning damage. It explodes. Okay. It is dead and does not receive the additional psychic damage. (laughs) Um, I am going to need the Neolithid to make a dexterity saving throw. Ooh. Uh, That is a eight. All right. So it's going to take full fire damage as this thing blows up. Four, six. Huh. Not too shabby. Yeah. Um, Okay. So it is now the Magman's turn. All right. Um... It moved. It only moved thirty feet from its original position where you summoned them. Um, these guys speed thirty. They can. They can get back to it. 
Alright, so uh, my three little magmen just hopping like uh, cackling little devils that they are. Um, <laughs> That's are what I think they sound like. <laughs> that is exactly what they sound like. Um, and all three are just going to come up and just start like grabbing onto it and burning it. Alright. Um, Alright, that one is going to miss. That one's going to miss because the last one missed. And how does a 21 sound? Yeah, that hits. All right, so that is an additional six damage. Okay. You guys have already dealt over 100 damage to it. Yeah. Yeah, you guys. All of us. <laughs> we all did it. <laughs> Ravnus, it's your turn. So this thing is starting to move towards Marco. So instead of coming towards you and a little bit to the left, is now veered more to the left because that's where Marco ran. He ran okay. away from you that way. So you're still kind of standing between it and Diego, who is like 30 feet behind you. Mm-hmm. And it is now 30 feet in front of you heading towards Marco, though. Yeah. Um, so, question. Like, with the Githyanki, um, do they hate these things, like, on the level that they hate, um, like, mind flayers? Because they, so... like, sort of are mind flayers. But, like, obviously, these aren't the same creatures that, like, you know. Yeah. Some of them probably would because there is that association like this is like a mind flayer baby that was left to deform and mutate. Um, However, it is not the super intelligent mind flayers in their normal form. Right. So you probably isn't as much of like an innate hatred, uh, but, you know, it's kind of up to you. Yeah, it's basically going to be like, how smart is Ravnus going to be about this? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because I I have the feeling that with that explanation that she doesn't, um, she wouldn't like, like just straight up be like, okay, like balls to the wall, whatever happens, happens. She's going to be like a little bit smart about this. Um, But because it is going towards Marco, I think she is going to attack it and like not feel so bad about that. Okay. So yeah, she's going to run up and attack it. Cool. Yeah, because it's not even like a baby mind flare that'll grow up to a mind flare. It's like... It's a different thing. The same species, but like a different mutation. Right. Okay. So yeah, you run up to it. Yeah. Um, and she is going to swing her uh, plus one longsword of the sentinel at the thing. Extra spect. What? Extra spect is the name of the sword. <laughs> oh, okay. I didn't know that. Yeah, I've said it before but okay. well Nicholas, <laughs> that doesn't mean that i know it yeah um, fiona just doesn't listen to the things i say I, I should be used to this you've said you don't know it every single time fiona and at this point i'm thinking it's a bit that i fucking love <laughs> like i love that you're gaslighting nick into thinking that <laughs> yeah that's absolutely what it is <laughs> yeah nick you've never did you say etrospect I, I don't know that <laughs> Literally the first time I've heard that word ever in my life. I have it. I, I really do have it written down as plus one long sort of the sentinel everywhere. <laughs> hey there, Nick Yurisiva here, your dungeon master and master of illusions. See, that one would have blown your mind if you can see it. But you couldn't, because this is a podcast. So just take my word for it, okay? Thank you for listening to the show. Be sure to give us a follow on social media if you haven't already, at Pod on Twitter and at Podcast on Facebook. 
And if you really want those sweet, sweet brownie points, you'll leave a review on iTunes. We love reading your feedback, and those reviews help others find the show. Come hang out with us at the Project Derailed Community Discord. It's a great place to hang out and chat with us and the casts of the other great Project Derailed podcasts like Fables Around the Table, Big Streaming Pile, and Taverns Travel and Tests. We sometimes play games, do listen parties, and generally just hang out and bullshit. Join in on the fun by going to projectderailed.com discord. As always, there's some great Tales of the Voidfarer shirts available at the Project Derailed Redbubble store. Check it out at bit.ly slash derailed shop. Fables Around the Table Lost is in full swing, playing the beta version of Babes in the Woods 2nd Edition, which was just successfully backed on Kickstarter. Jammed by her very own Fiona L.F. Kelly, the story follows 8-year-old Posey and her 13-year-old babysitter Odell after they get lost in the woods while trick-or-treating and transported to a mystical realm where they meet a talking possum named Reggie, played by yours truly. Can they find their way home before the fiend finds them? Listen to Fables Around the Table Lost to find out. Also check out Taverns, Travel, and Tests, a D&D 5e podcast inspired by meme culture and the Food Network, DM'd by our good buddy Cliff. It's like a rib burn-off in a fantasy world. Special thanks to Tom Goldthwaite for writing our theme song, and shout out to the band Highland Rose for the kick-ass rock version of that theme we've been jamming to all chapter. Additional music provided by purple-planet.com. You can always tell what kind of adventurer someone is by the gear they put on their feet. That is why today's episode is presented by Clark's. Clark's has been crafting fine footwear for nearly 200 years, and always with a level of innovation and craftsmanship the envy of every artificer on Eberron. We're teaming up with Clark's and Podgo to bring you up to 30% off select items, including the iconic Clark's Desert Boot, by going to podgo.co slash Clark's. That's podgo.co slash Clark's. There are five Tuesdays this month, so next episode of Tales of the Voidfair, which will be the finale of Chapter 4, will land in three weeks on Tuesday, April 6th. See you then. That's going to be the next clip that you put on Twitter or whatever. It's just all the time. So I'm just like, I've never heard that in my life. Just a, a super cut. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, shit. Anyway, anyway. Uh, you roll to attack. <laughs> yeah, that was an 18. An 18, that hits. Okay, hold on. Hold I'm on. holding. Okay, time to roll some dice. Oh, no. <laughs> so that is two plus seven is nine. Plus an additional seven for my psionic talent. Okay, so 16 total. All right. Did and you have another attack? Yes, I did. Okay. Um, she's going to extra attack, and uh, that is going to be better with a 19 plus seven, which is 26, I think. Um, uh, yes. So that's eight plus seven is fifteen slashing. All right. Um, cool. Marco, it's your turn. All right. Um, again, since it moved closer to me, I am going to move thirty feet away from it, keeping sixty feet between us, and um, I'm going to chuck a fireball at it. Okay. I got a hundred and twenty feet to work with here, so I think I can hit it in an area where it's not going to hit Ravenous. It- it got a 17 on its dexterity saving throw. A 17, you say? Well, that's filthy. Um, <laughs> he passed that, so he's only going to take half. 
It doesn't look very dexterous, but I rolled very well. <laughs> it's gonna get another one then. Shove another one up its ass. There we go. <laughs> Tanner. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> this is clearly a kid's show. Clearly. <laughs> All right, so that's only going to be uh, 14 damage. All righty. All right, Locke's turn. Locke's going to take a shot. That's going to miss. That's going to hit. Um, Ezerath. Um, Ezerath is, is definitely keeping her distance. It looks like... Uh, so she is just going to keep kind of moving in the direction you're going, Marco, but she's going to like kind of cut across your path to now be on your left side instead of your right. Um, Now, like on the other side of the street, the side that the the storm rig is kind of parked on, but uh, the storm rig is, is further down now as you guys are like moving a little bit further away from it down the road. Um, And she's going to kind of set up there and kind of hold, hold her action, kind of looking for something that she can maybe do to help. But for the most part, just trying to keep distance and spread out. Diego, my man, he sees, he sees Marco cast a fireball. He's going to cast a fireball. Yeah. <laughs> Buddies. Uh, it failed that, that saving throw. Uh, Marco, cause I know you have all the dice in front of you. Can you roll damage for fireball for me, please? <laughs> of course I can. <laughs> that will be 26. Hell yeah. Just going to give Diego a big old thumbs up. He'll give you a thumbs up as well. And he's going to, in his chair, move around kind of the other way, kind of getting a little bit closer to the storm rig to kind of like post up there if he needs to defend the rig at all. Okay. So the dwarves are going to fire another crossbow bolt, but that one is going to miss. It's going to sail over its head uh, and lodge itself in some rubble. And the other dwarves... Uh, as you're kind of moving this thing away, they're going to kind of like close the distance just a little bit, but still keeping their, their distance from it. Um, just putting a little bit more space between them and the storm rig, uh, kind of serving as a barrier. Inching a little bit closer with their axes out, but still, uh, <laughs> they're bravely stepping forward, but still kind of realizing that they, after seeing their one friend get, get nommed, uh, they're not too eager to... Uh, <laughs> bravely uh, shuffle. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so Luckbeak. so yeah i will say this uh one of the things you notice with your passive perception as you're sitting here at first glance it looked like a like a tent pole or something to that effect like a uh a wooden shaft that's kind of sticking awkwardly out of the rubble mm -hmm. in the rubble pile that you're hiding kind of behind right now however now that you're right up on it you realize that this was the magical spear that was in the spread of magic items you saw a couple days prior. Hmm. There ain't no way I'm hiding that anywhere on me. <laughs> um. I mean, I'll touch it. Make a wisdom save. No, I'm God joking. damn it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you can dislodge it. Um. Does it feel... Uh. I mean, I don't get an, an immediate impulse from it of anything, do I? You know. Okay. Yeah, no, you don't you don't get an immediate sense of what it does. Yeah. Uh you do note uh as you hold it in your hand, it does feel lighter than it looks. Well shit. And the spearhead is this silver, intricately carved uh spearhead that has like filigree that almost looks like a twisting, flowing wind. Okay. Uh I'm going to uh speak to it and I'm gonna say, uh you you about to make me a hero? You about to make me a hero, right? You're about to make me a hero. Uh, and then I'm going to back up a little bit and hold it in my hand, and I'm going to pitch it at uh, at the creature. <laughs> okay. Yeet. 
go ahead and make an attack roll. Uh, so I got a 13. A 13. Yeah, you chuck this thing, and it is light, and you throw it, and it actually has a beautiful arc that whistled. Oh. Like one of those like Nerf, Nerf footballs yeah. with a tail. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> but it then just into the ground about 50 feet away. <laughs> Locke kind of like glances over at it and like looks back at you with a quizzical face. <laughs> yeah. Because it landed like 20 feet from him. I just look at him and kind of shrug. Uh, he'll kind of shrug back. I'm like, all right, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Good. No harm, no foul. <laughs> all right. Uh, it is the Neothalid's turn. What is it going to do? Uh, Ravnus, that's a 23 to hit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you take 21 bludgeoning damage, but that is halved because of your stone skin. Nice. Um, so you only take 10, but you do take okay. 13 psychic damage. Ouch. And go ahead and make a strength saving throw for me. That is uh, not very good. Um, well, 16, that's not bad. Okay. Um, yeah, it hits you hard with one of its writhing tentacles coming out of its lamprey-like mouth that's just, like, ringed with teeth. First, you notice your stone skin, like, absorbs most of the blow. But just as you react to that, there's this course of psionic energy that kind of, like, overrides your system for a second. You kind of seize up. And while you're kind of spasming from this overload of mental energy, the tentacle tries to grab you. And you feel yourself beginning to lift off of your feet, but you regain your control and just kind of flex out of the tentacle as it has you lifted about like five, six feet in the air and you drop back down onto your feet. Nice. And the tentacle kind of recoils away, not expecting you to resist. Very nice. Yeah. I'm glad she got out of that one. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been bad. <laughs> But the attack seems retaliatory because it's moving away from you still in the direction of Marco. Um, okay. And you can take an attack of opportunity if you like. Yes, I would like. What's that sweet, delicious brain of mine? That is uh, 17 plus 7 is 24. That'll hit. So um, it, it hasn't come around to... Uh, wait, so when it's once per turn, what does it do for reactions? You can get it on, on your reaction. Okay. Yeah, but it's like a rogue sneak attack. Gotcha. Um, so that is um, five plus seven would be 12 and uh, and an eight. And that is the max. So I get knocked down to a D6 for my psionic talent die. Yeah. I lost my D8. So yeah, uh, as you strike out with this thing, as it's slithering away from you, you send a huge pulse of purple psionic energy out of it that strikes it with a huge like rush of satisfaction, seeing the extra damage that you do, but it leaves you just slightly exhausted. A little trickle of blood, Eleven style. Yeah. <laughs> as you drain some of your psionic reserve. Yeah, and also because she got smacked pretty hard by it. Yeah, no, you, you, it's gushing out of your right nostril, but your 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 left nostril just gets a little trickle from Ugh, from the. From the that's the worst. <laughs> it's the Magman's turn, Tanner. All right, so the Magman, um, their task is still the same: just run up and just grab a hold of this thing, and you know, keep burning it. So let's see here. Here goes Magman one. All right, that is going to be a twenty-one. That'll hit. That is a seven damage. Okay. 
Magman 2 gets a 13. That misses. That misses. And a 19. That hits. And that's going to be four. Okay. All right. Ravnus, it's your turn. Okay. Um, so it's moved 30 feet away from you now. You yeah. got a hit on it while it was slithering away. but So yeah. she is going to uh, go up to it again since it's still going after Marco. Yep. I don't like that. Um, Not allowed. He should also throw a sandwich at it. <laughs> oh, that might miss, though. Um, three and seven is only 10. That does miss. Okay. But number two, uh, that's a lot better. 16 and seven is a 23. That does hit. Okay. I could conjure sandwich. Conjure sandwich. Oh, motherfuck me. Um, so, sorry. Uh, <laughs> it's a fucking family show. <laughs> yeah. It's that's really n- fucking not. <laughs> um, so that is a nine total slashing damage. And I got uh-huh. a six on my psionic die. So now it goes oh, down man. to a D4. You're really draining yourself. Uh. Yeah. Uh so that's but that's fifteen more damage. That is fifteen more damage. Yeah. Um cool. Um but I think that Psy replenishment is a bonus action. Yeah. Um so I am going to use my bonus to keep it at the D six. Perfect. Oh no, it goes to its starting size. That's even better. So it goes back to the D eight. Oh, awesome. Yeah, as you feel your uh, your psionic energy begin to drain uh, as you're like really like giving it your all on this thing and you just kind of like close your eyes and like center yourself for a second and you feel the energy resurge into you. All the blood goes back up her nose. <laughs> <laughs> Gross. Uh, Marco, it's your turn. All right. Sure enough, I'm going to try to back up to keep 60 feet away from it and chuck another fireball at it. Okay. What is that dexterity saving throw? That is only an eight. Well, that one failed. So here it comes, full force. Just burning this thing, man. Uh, all right. That would be twenty-six damage. Yowza. Um, how's it looking? Uh, it is now uh well over bloodied. All right. Fun times. You're definitely doing a number on it. As this thing's getting kited away a little bit, Locke is going to move, Luckbeak, from, from where you're at, kind of down the road a little bit. You see Locke move from his cover in the one one side of the road and kind of jog 30 feet and hunker down behind some more rubble, chest-high wall, uh, <laughs> and uh, take a couple shots. Uh, first one's going to miss. Oh, no. Uh, his gun jams. Oh, shit. How? <laughs> Man keeps that gun so well maintained. I thought it'd be a slip and slide at this point. <laughs> He's going to try and clear it, uh, which he does. So Luckbeak, you're a little bit far away, but you actually see Locke, uh, exactly what he was teaching you to do just earlier today. Fires once and it misses, and he hastily reloads and fires a second time. And uh, even from this distance, you hear a like sickening like king. As metal on metal grinds in his gun and you hear him just say, oh, fuck. And in like one motion, he like pulling out a tool and he pries a piece of metal out and it flies up over his shoulder. He blows in it some dust and he snaps the rifle back shut again. It seems to have been resolved. The luck beak is uh, nodding the whole time. Yep. Got water the toe brace. Good. Good. Okay. Good. Yep. <laughs> yeah, exactly yeah. Exactly what I would have yeah. done. Yep. <laughs> Uh, Ezerath is kind of going to continue kind of skirting around the outside. So she's like now coming up a little bit closer to the storm rig, having looped around. And 
the dwarves on the ballista are going to fire and they're going to miss. Um, the dwarves on the ground, having seen this thing beginning to look really rough, seem a little bit more emboldened and they're going to rush forward with their axes. Uh, that's going to miss. That's going to hit. That's going to miss. That's going to miss. And that's going to hit. So two of the five of them hit, doing a total, oh, not too shabby, 16 damage. Oh, yeah. They just start hacking, chopping away. <laughs> That's like firewood. Uh-huh. <laughs> Luckbeak. Um, I think when he sees Locke's gun getting jammed, he, like, takes a step in that direction to, like, think that he could be useful for a second before he realizes that Locke has it covered. Mm-hmm. Um, so then... Oh, I think he's hesitant to shoot because he doesn't want it to notice him, but he realizes that at this point there's so many different shots going at it that it's probably okay. Uh, so he's going to go ahead and take a shot at it. Sure. Um, it, it is probably over 100 feet away from me at now. This point, okay. um, however, uh, it, it's like maybe 50 feet from Locke's position. So if you wanted to, you can like move up to Locke's position. Mm, um, I'll move adjacent to, to Locke somewhere around him. But uh, I'm not yeah. going to go next to him or anything just for the sake of braininess. We're just too smart together. <laughs> oh, I see. So, so like, you'll go up to that level, yeah. but you'll you'll keep your distance from him a little yeah, bit. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah, you can, find, you can find another little piece of rubble to, like, kind of take cover behind. Cool, cool. Um, yeah, so you could do that with your, with your movement um, uh, and bonus action. Uh, or, no, yeah, you can, you can get it with your movement, okay. I think. Um, and then, so, yeah, you have your action and bonus action still. Great. Uh, so I will uh, use my bonus action to aim and then take a shot. Okay, go ahead and roll to hit. Uh, that's a 7 and a 10. Okay. <laughs> uh, neither of those hit. Cool. uh you know what though i'm just feeling so into this though i'm gonna go ahead and use my action surge that i have now oh shit whoa action because i feel like i've let lock down so i'm gonna go ahead and shoot again okay yeah you quickly reload your crossbow and fire again hey that's a 16 which i still don't think hits does it it does hit oh it does Ah! okay good hooray i did it and you get your sneak attack damage all right uh if anybody forgot that Luckbeak is actually a rogue. <laughs> <laughs> okay, one, two, three. So that is 12 damage. Not too shabby. Yeah, you fire this bolt and it sails into its fleshy flesh. <laughs> <laughs> a wordsmith. <laughs> yes, truly. Uh, cool, 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 cool. Uh, it's, it's its turn and it is going to slither towards Marco and and it's going to and erupt acid. This is going to hit Marco, Ezerath, and three of the dwarves, actually. Oh, well. So I need dexterity saving throw, Marco. All right. 13. No, sir. Um, you are taking 35 acid damage. Oof. That hurt. All three dwarves just... And Ezerath miraculously takes no damage at all. She just kind of like twists and backflips backwards into the wall and kind of leaps up 
So like the spray kind of goes under her and then she kind of lands on the ground as it soaks into the ground. So there's just a slight sizzle as it eats away at the soles of her shoes a little bit, but she seems to have used her monk evasion completely avoid the blast. Parkour. Uh, But Marco is a mess. (laughs) Ow. Uh, Ravnus and Luckbeak, you see this in horror (laughs) as this happens. Um, uh, Magman's turn. Yes, my good old Mag. Oh, they um they would have gotten attacks of opportunity when it moved, ah. uh, and so would have Ravnus. The lowest one that they rolled was a seventeen, so I think they all hit. They do all hit. Um, that is a uh, twenty-four. That hits. And that um eleven and three is fourteen. Okay. Altogether, the Magman did twenty-two. Damn! Holy shit! Y'all hit with 2d6. Very good. Okay. Uh, yeah, uh, it it looks rough. Um, you almost get the impression, as it moves away, it, get, it takes these hits, and it almost gets the impression that it's just, like, vomiting its acid in this, like, last-ditch effort because it doesn't look like it has a whole lot left to it. That being said, Ravnus, it's now your turn. Ravnus, it's now my turn. Um, she, uh, so that was bad about Marco. Um, I don't know if there's anything she can actually do for Marco um, besides continue to hit this thing and try to kill it before it does that again. Is that sort um, of like an accurate assessment? Yeah, you do also have the option to transfer hit points if you so desired. Uh, but also hitting I, I'll do is, that. is viable. Yeah, I'll do that as a last resort because she's down to like almost half. Mm-hmm. Um, so how, how many does... Does uh, Marco have left? I got nine. He's got nine. Uh, Maybe I will give him some. Is that like a bonus? That's an action to do. Oh, it's an action? Yeah. uh, Yeah, she's not going to do that. Yeah. I'm not going to worry about that right now. I'm going to hit it instead. Okay. Yeah, best course Um, of action, kill the worm. Yeah, (laughs) so... That is a uh, 15. Does that hit? No, that misses. Oh. Oh, shit. So close. So close. Yeah. Um, what about um, a 13? Uh, no. Also misses. Um, she is going to use her action surge. Hell yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, she saw Lux do this it. This was so <laughs> bad. Let's do it again. That's better. That is uh, 17 and 7 is 24. That does hit. And that, um, that is uh, 9 plus. Seven is 16, and I went back down to a d6 because I rolled a d8, but 16 plus 8 is what I rolled. How do you want to do this? Yes! <gasps> oh, sorry, Mia. Oh, correct. <laughs> <laughs> you monster. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, oh, fuck. How does she want to do this? She is going to... So she's, like, swinging at it. She, like misses twice which makes this like all the sweeter so she like hits it hits it. well just like in the theater of my mind she does hit it it's just not like doing anything because it's huge like how could she like actually like 
you know, with. Um, so it doesn't really do anything, but then she sort of sees, like, the perfect spot, the perfect opportunity, and, like, with her sword in both hands, she just, like, plunges it into the thing. Badass. Yeah. Yeah, so you plunge your sword down into this thing, and the purple glow from passive ability of the sword, just the detection of elithids and elithid-related creatures, being plunged into this thing, it almost glows for a second, a bright pulse. So as you drive your sword in and, like, just tear through this thing, uh, it's almost like for just an instant, beams of purple light kind of shoot out of it as it just rise. <laughs> and just collapses sideways. <laughs> and uh, acidic ooze starts kind of oozing out of it and starting eating away at the rock. Um, Ravnus is, like, watching it die. She, like, has a sort of maniacal grin. Like, she's, like, covered in blood and feeling, like, pretty good about what she just did. Yeah. You kind of see out of your corner of your eye a lock stand up from the rubble he was seeking cover behind, and he just kind of gives you a little nod. Oh, so good. She didn't fuck it up this time. (laughs) (laughs) We got character arcs here. Yeah. (laughs) Cool. And uh, we are out of rounds. You guys actually fucking fought and killed it. (laughs) Yeah. And we only got the sort of like unnamed dwarves. Those were our heavy losses. So that's pretty good. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it was it was it was half of the dwarven group. We did joke that they were wearing red shirts. So yeah. <laughs> well, me behind the screen was like, uh, yeah. <laughs> Once we didn't hear the names, it was like, oh yeah, they're they're out of here. <laughs> they're disposable. <laughs> Don't get too attached. <laughs> no, not Jerry. I think. <laughs> <laughs> Larry, Jerry, Barry, and Steve. <laughs> <laughs> not steve steve was my favorite <laughs> steve is everybody's favorite man pour one out for steve <laughs> true fan favorite uh tom said fuck steve in the chat <laughs> <laughs> so we are out of rounds this thing is it's in bodily fluids begin eating away at its own body and the the ground around it marco you don't feel too hot no Ezerath will actually kind of step forward and give you like a a nod of approval, Ravnus. She doesn't linger too long and doesn't actually like make eye contact for very long before she kind of like awkwardly like, all right, then and keeps on walking. Yeah, all the elusive characters walk up to Ravnus in a line, <laughs> not at her. Just like, not at her. Good game, good game, good game. Coot has some serious competition. <laughs> I mean, Ravnus just did get an epic kill in front of like all the characters she's had tension with. So like, yeah, <laughs> a pretty think, big uh, W there. <laughs> yeah. The first thing that uh, Marco's going to do is he just strips off his clothes, which I'm sure are just covered in stuff, and like. Gets a de- another pair of pants out of his bag. <laughs> Marco just strips naked. Yeah, is Marco changing his pants in front of everybody? Listen, yeah, that, everybody. That shit was burning. That makes sense. There is like open chemical burns on like Marco's whole body. <laughs> yeah, so like Marco is like, I don't think this would be like a uh, cool the, like, oh, let me strip down. This is like he's ripping his clothes off. <laughs> uh, the the air is stinging your like raw flesh. 
Oh, poor Marco. <laughs> oh, he's gonna he's gonna green jelly himself. Yeah, I say I'm gonna oh, get the man. Are you actually going to apply it topically like it's intended? Yes, <laughs> the rules say topically or ingested, oh. but he is actually going to. This is a topical damage, so he's just going <laughs> to slather himself Ooh. down with the rest of his jar. Uh-huh. Oh, the fan art potential! <laughs> get Chelsea on it. Yeah, get Chelsea yeah. on that. <laughs> yeah, um, Marco will apply the rest. Um, I got one jar, which was like four doses left, and I mean, I'm using it. <laughs> Each dose is 2d8 plus 2. 2d8 plus 2. All right, so the first one was 7. So I went up to actually, like, yeah, I go up to about 38 here. Nice. Oh, dang. Yeah, I am completely out of this stuff now. Like, that was my last one. <laughs> we just dumped this entire jar over my head and just, like, I'm taking a shower in this stuff. Yeah, it's Marco's stripped naked in the street and just starts slathering this green goop on him. It looks disgusting, but you do see like through the goop as he's like lathering it in, uh, his, the like lie burns all across his body just begin stitching back together. <laughs> then I will put on a pair of pants. <laughs> <laughs> Quick question, Luckbeak. Do you recover the spear you threw? Uh, No. What's by the way? What's Diego's uh, sort of uh, reception to me at this moment? I mean, is he like giving me the evil eye, or he has not? It, it seems like he is thoroughly distracted by by bigger issues. Yeah, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna test my luck here. I'm not gonna retrieve the spear. Okay, Lugnut will actually say, "Well, uh, if you took care of it, I guess we can take our time then, huh?" No, I mean, there's more than one. There's more than one. Um, yep. good to know. All right, finish up. Oh. Gasket, you don't get a coffee break. Put it down. <laughs> um, Gasket would. <laughs> Marco is going to shout, with as many people as you have working overtime, let's say, how long do you think it'll take you to get this thing ready to go? We should have it good to go in about 15 minutes. Nope, that's a long time. Um, Marco is actually going to, uh... Sit down, start thinking. He looks over to Diego and he says, Diego, would you happen to have a map of that structure downstairs? Um, we didn't have the opportunity to really plot one. We were more concerned of getting to safety. Uh, um, once we found the, the Elder Brains chamber and Ezerath indicated that that was a safe place to stay, um, we didn't explore very much further. Ah, shit. Okay, well... But if we're ready to go in about 15 minutes, that's about as much time as it would take to go retrieve the others from below. We should go get everyone else. Yeah, I hustle over to the hole and start uh, kind of telling people that it's safe to come out, but just like, you got to do so real quick. Okay. Um, uh, you could probably shout down the hole. Um, it might echo all the way down, so. Uh, Marco is going to scream to Luckbeak, tell him to come one at a time. Okay, I do so. Um, and with that, Marco is going to go stand by himself with the three magmen as far away from the others as possible. All right. Um, and hope that he can, if another one comes, that he can bait him towards him. Got it. Cool. So yeah, me and these three little flame goblins are now sitting there just chilling. Got it. Cool. Uh, how long do they last? An hour. An hour. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So they, they got it. You, you're, you're friends for a while. <laughs> okay. Ravnus, are you doing anything, uh, in the, in the interim here? Uh, wiping off her sword and um, not really unless it seems like they need help getting people out. Um, I will say you do notice the spear sticking that Luckbeak threw because <laughs> it is out in the open. 
Uh, yeah, Ravenous sees a cool spear and uh, pockets it. Cool. <laughs> I'm trying to give you treasure. <laughs> I was actually thinking about that before. I'm like, I wonder if she can just like take that. Oh. Uh huh. She's just yep. like, huh. <laughs> I, I I I don't even know if she like really knows where it came from. She just like sees a spear and just like. Yeah. Well, this is mine. <laughs> you did see it before. It was one of the items in the the tent that had all the items that you saw a couple days ago. Here. Well, now she's rescuing it. <laughs> exactly. Yes, come uh, to the dark side. <laughs> that is a Gale Pierce spear. Okay. An ornate spear of polished steel uh, with a steel head and counterbalance, intricately carved with little fins and aileron-like appendages that look like swirling wind. Uh, so yeah, you can write that down, Ravnus, and you can experiment with it or get it identified or attuned to it for an hour to figure out what it does. For now, she's just sort of like picking it up. Cool. Yeah, you don't have to do it this second. I'm just telling you what yeah. you need to do to learn more. Yarp. You do also um, have the items uh, Luckbeak grabbed last session, uh, which was a medallion mm-hmm. and a bracelet. I got those. I can't wait to inspect so, them. So, yeah. Um, cool. So uh, yeah, Luckbeak, you go and you shout... Uh, down the uh, uh, down the tunnel uh, and tell them uh, to come on up one at a time. Dinner's ready. So it is Lieutenant Will the Taft, the GIF. Uh, it is Anthropologist Colette and eight other seekers. Come up and one at a time uh, head to the storm ring. Okay. And you guys get everybody loaded on. The gnomes get the core swapped out, and Lugnite goes, "All right, everybody, on. Let's let's get the fuck out of here." Everybody loads up. Brohane, Brawla, the surviving dwarves, Gadmund, and his now three companions. All the other seekers. Uh, the Stormrig is now like it's pretty fucking full. <laughs> mm-hmm. And the Stormrig lurches forward, and Camshaft just floors it, and you put the archaeological dig site behind you as you drive into the storm. Um, I wasn't expecting you guys to actually like fight it till it died, but uh, <laughs> that's what happened. <laughs> yeah. It's the evening of Halloween. Trick-or-treating is in full swing across the neighborhood. Pillowcases and buckets shaped to look like jack-o'-lanterns are filling with candy. In all the hustle and bustle, two children take a shortcut through the woods. However, no matter how long they walk, they never reach the expected break in the trees. The sun sets in the sky and the wind whistles through the red and yellow leaves. The children meet new friends, woodland creatures, scarecrows, and other strange denizens of the woods. Still, they must find their way home. The Fiend is coming. Fables Around the Table Lost premieres January 27th wherever you get your podcasts. 
I'm Cliff, and welcome to Taverns, Travel, and Tests. Join us every second and fourth Monday of each month as I join my friends Ben, Hazir, Chris, Magus Magron, and Dave, Serial, as we explore the wide world of Castia, seeking out the juiciest long-forgotten secrets, and share some hearty laughs in this D&D 5th edition real play podcast. It's like a rib burn-off, <laughs> but in a fantasy world. If there's something to be done for some coin, they've probably already handled it. I travel to entertain and to... Do other <laughs> For more information about taverns, travel, and tests, and all of the other great shows on the Project Derailed Network, visit projectderailed.com and look for us wherever you check out your favorite podcasts. Projectderailed.com